Well, thank you so very much, praise team. That was just a wonderful time of worshiping and praising our God, and we're just so very, very thankful for your ministry. Thank you, Bill, for that very heartfelt prayer this morning as well. Uh, The University of Ohio College of Medicine uh, one time did a survey of several hundred men and women, and they asked them, what are the top ten situations that cause you the most anxiety? And here they are. Number one, a party with strangers, 74%. Number two, giving a speech, 70%. No no wonder I have anxiety every Sunday morning. Uh, Number three, asked personal questions in public, 65%. Number four, meeting a date's parents, 59%. Uh, Number five, first day on a new job, 59%. Uh, Number six, victim of a practical joke, 56%. Uh, The next one, talking with someone in authority, 53%. Uh, Next, a job interview, 46%. Uh, The next one, a formal dinner party, 44%. And finally, the last one, a blind date, 42%. Now, as I I look through that, you know, I I realize that all of these have something in common. They're all about social failure, fear of embarrassment, or somehow being inadequate. Now, you know, for the most part, as we think about this, these fears are not serious. If you make a mistake in one of these areas, uh, mostly it will cost you embarrassment. Suppose that we had uh, another survey, and we called this situations causing Christians most concern. I won't use the word anxiety because we should be anxious for nothing, but concern. What would be on that list if we did that survey? Well, one thing should be high on the list. We all should be concerned about it because it is possible for all of us. What is that? Spiritual failure. Spiritual failure. Turning from Christ or denying Him in some way. Now, that is far more serious, isn't it? Uh, That's not just a matter of social embarrassment, but it's a matter of moral or spiritual downfall. This morning, as we continue in our series in the Gospel of Mark, Living in the Shadow of the Cross, we're coming to that episode where Peter has his greatest failure. And the Bible is going to make it very plain to us how Peter failed. There's a principle that I want us to see this morning as we look at what happened with Peter, and it is this. Spiritual failure is a process of taking steps away from the Lord that requires steps back to the Lord. Let me say that again. Spiritual failure is a process of taking steps away from the Lord that require steps back to the Lord. See, we don't fail spiritually overnight. We don't wake up one day and decide, I think I'll fail the Lord today. 
It's a much more gradual thing. And we see that in the life of Peter. Peter was the last one who thought he would deny his Lord. And yet he did, in a very, very ugly way. I have a book of sermons in my library called uh, Classic Sermons uh, about the Apostle Peter. There was a sermon in that book by G. Campbell Morgan, who many years ago was the pastor in London. And it's entitled, The Sifting of Peter. And here's what he says. From stage to stage, Peter passed away from Jesus ever a little further until we come to open denial. And that is so true. It didn't come suddenly. It happened after a series of steps that Peter took away from the Lord. This morning, I want us to look at a message that I'm entitling, Hearing the Rooster's Call. Because God used the crowing of a rooster to be an alarm clock in Peter's soul. And what we'll do today in part one is we will see what Peter did to fail spiritually. And then next Sunday, we'll see what Jesus did to restore him. And so I invite you to take your Bibles and let's open to Mark 14 this morning. And as we do, I want you to just bow in prayer with me this morning. Lord God, probably today as we have begun the first Sunday of a new year, Most of us are not thinking about spiritual failure. We're not thinking that that could happen to us. Of all the concerns of this year, that is probably not real high on our priority list because we just don't think it will happen in our lives. But Lord, help us today. If Peter could fall, then we can fall. And we need to understand the steps he took that led to his fall. And then even more wonderfully, we need to see what Jesus did to restore him. Because the same Jesus that restored him always is ready to do so for us. So now guide us into your word that we might learn about ourselves and our great need of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by reading verses 27 to 31 in Mark 14, and I invite you to go there with me. And here's what Jesus said. He said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now notice Peter's words. Peter said to him, Even though they all will fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. Here is stage number one. It is self-dependence. It is very clear from this passage that the first step in Peter's departure from the Lord began with reliance upon himself. Uh, In the last few weeks, I have come across this drawing of Peter in the garden. 
And I thought, doesn't this depiction of Peter lashing out in the garden tell us much, much about him? I mean, Jesus had told him exactly how it was going to be. Uh, Jesus was clearly in charge here and wanted his disciples to know that he is in charge. And what does Peter do? Peter takes over and essentially he says, it's not going to go that way. It's going to go my way. And of course, he ends up doing 180 degrees, the opposite of his master's will. Uh, Can I just stop here for a moment and say, isn't it amazing how we can think that we're so right when we're actually so wrong? I mean, isn't that amazing? And what do we learn here from Peter? What was his nature like? Well, he was confident. He was outspoken. He was take charge kind of a guy, strong-willed, can-do, the kind of person who was always saying, listen to me. Uh, Are there any of us here like that this morning? Any of us here today that this is our natural temperament? Is this us? If there were a TV show made about our lives, would it be titled, Brian Knows Best? or whatever your name is, knows best. You know, if I've thought about this, we can all be this way at times, can't we? I've discovered that even people who appear to be unassuming can still be very controlling in certain settings. Uh, Peter was so confident he was what? He was overconfident. He really didn't know himself how truly weak he was in the right setting. Boy, we need to learn from this. All of us are weak in the right setting. Let me say that again. All of us in the right setting are weak. And if we don't know that, we will be self-dependent. We will be self-dependent. Last year I I told you that I have begun reading Pastor John Calvin's uh, great work, uh, Institutes of the Christian Religion, due to the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. I mentioned to you I'm 500 years late, but I've decided better late than never. And it's very interesting, in the very first page, page number one, he says that true wisdom has two qualities, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. That if we are truly wise people, we will not only know God, but we will know ourselves. Now listen to what he says we need to understand about the knowledge of ourselves. Listen to this. Who are not disposed to rest in themselves? Who in fact do not so rest as long as we're unknown to ourselves? That is, as long as we're contented with our own endowments and unconscious or unmindful of our misery. That's page one. That's the starting point of knowing ourselves. 
He goes on in this page to say, we cannot seek God in earnest until we have begun to be displeased with ourselves. That's the starting point of the knowledge of ourselves. Let me ask you this morning, who do you suppose said this? God chose me because I was weak enough. He trained somebody to be quiet enough and little enough, and then he uses him. Who do you suppose said that? You ready? Hudson Taylor said that. The founder of the China Inland Mission. His impact on world missions is incalculable, reaching down to this very day. And we have to ask this question here this morning, don't we? Why does God sift us and train us to see how weak we are so that we will come to that place where we are quiet enough and little enough in our own eyes. God does that because that's what rids us of self-dependence. And it's only when we have been rid of our own dependence and reliance upon ourselves that we will in earnest seek God. And this is always the first stage of spiritual failure. Let's continue, shall we? Turn with me over to verses 37 and 38 and notice stage number two is slackness in devotions. In the garden as Jesus was praying, this is what we learn in verse 37, and he came and he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again Jesus went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping. What a contrast this is. Jesus is the perfect Son of God, and he is tempted... Uh, tormented to turn from God's will. And so tempted as he is to forsake the way of the cross, he prays to find renewed strength for the crisis that is coming. Now contrast that with Peter. Peter, a limited son of the flesh, sleeps because he is confident that there is no danger imminent. In fact, he is so confident that when Jesus warns him, he goes back to sleep. Can I just say, sometimes the only way we will learn is by a serious fall. Isn't that true? Sometimes the only way we learn is by a serious fall. And what a lesson this is for us. In the Bible, sleep is emblematic of spiritual indifference. Look at what the Apostle Paul had to say as he picks up on this metaphor of sleeping spiritually in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6-8. Let me read these verses for you. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, when we are overconfident, we are not conscious of spiritual danger. At least we're unafraid of it. And so we don't think that we need to watch and pray. And we become slack in the very devotional exercises that are meant to keep us strong. By the way, did you notice here what Paul says is involved in watching and being sober? He says it is putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Faith, love, and hope. Those are the three cardinal virtues of the Christian life. No one can be strong in their Christian walk who is not developing these three virtues. So it's very clear here what reveals whether we're awake and sober or not, spiritually speaking, is we are growing in faith in love, and in hope. In the last year, towards the end of the year, I asked Pastor Hank, I said, how long has this Tuesday morning men's Bible study that I've been a part of now going on 14 years been going? I said, what, about 35 years? He said, actually, it's been going on closer to 40 years. And I'm absolutely amazed that there are men so hungry for the Word of God that they would sustain a Bible study for almost 40 years. One man who has been coming to the study from another church said he has learned more in that Bible study than all the years of attending the church he goes to. And when he would go to Florida, he so missed what he experienced in that Bible study that he started one like it down in Florida. And he said to us recently, it's still going. When the Guile family moved from Marquette, Todd said to us, I've not been able to find another church with a men's Bible study like this. Why do I go? There are two reasons I go. One, I need God's Word. And number two, I need fellowship with men who love God's Word. Let me ask a question this morning. When do we get enough of the Word? I'll be 60 years old this year. In my 60 years, I have not had enough of the Word. There's one other thing that I desperately need in my life. I need to be with people who pray. You see, how do faith, love, and hope, the three cardinal virtues, grow? 
They grow through the Word. They grow in fellowship with people who love the Word. And they grow with time with people who pray. Look at what Paul is saying. To be awake and to be sober spiritually means we are growing in faith, love, and hope. And no one, no one can be strong without the three cardinal virtues developing in their life. And it's very clear what happened to Peter. Self-dependence, I don't need to watch and pray, led to slackness in his devotions. Let's notice stage number three. Stage number three is carelessness in decisions. Carelessness in decisions. Turn over with me to verses 46 and 47 and notice what happened when the guards and those who were following the spiritual leaders arrived in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they laid hands on him and seized Jesus. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now the Apostle John tells us that this person was Peter in John 18.10. The servant that his ear was cut off was a man named Malchus. Now I want you to notice what's going on here. Peter is so far from his Lord that he takes matters into his own hands. Standing right next to Jesus, he does not ask him what he ought to do, but Peter just does what seems best. By the way... Isn't that a telltale sign of spiritual decline? Are you following me this morning? Isn't that a telltale sign of spiritual decline? Instead of asking Jesus, we just do what seems best. You see, Peter hadn't really been hearing Jesus, had he? And because he hadn't been hearing Jesus, he did not know the plan. And boy, do I learn from this. When we are not paying attention to God's plan, we cannot possibly fail to be careless. When we are not paying attention to God's plan, We can't possibly fail to be careless. It shouldn't surprise us here. Self-dependence will always lead in slackness in our devotional walk with the Lord, which will always then lead to carelessness in our decisions. Let me go back for just a moment to that drawing that I shared with you a little bit earlier. Because I I think whoever drew this scene of Peter in the garden really points out some very, very important points that we don't want to miss. Notice how Malchus, the servant, is, is holding his ear that had just been severed. Standing next to him is Jesus. And did you notice how his hand is up like this? In a drawing, you have to use visuals to depict what happened. And Jesus stopped Peter by telling him, Put up your sword, John 18, 11. 
Notice in the drawing, the soldier with his sword half out. We know that the soldiers came prepared for opposition. Think about this. Had Peter struck one more blow, surely swords would have been drawn. There could have been many injuries and even deaths. What a lesson here. What a lesson. When our decisions are careless, innocent people are put in harm's way. Oh, how we have to let that sink in. When our decisions are careless, thoughtless, reckless, rash, Innocent people will always be put in harm's way. In 2018, our families are looking to us for spiritual direction and leadership. We all know that. And we may not be listening to the Lord this year and taking counsel from God's people. We may be doing what we want to do, We might be doing what we think is best. And if we continue in that path, we may very well do the exact opposite of God's will for our life and for our family. And we are headed for a downfall. And they are headed for experiencing the fallout. And we have to look at this. Don't we want to at this point jump into the scene and say, Peter, watch out. Peter, it can actually get worse than this if you don't watch out. And of course, Peter continued on, didn't he? And the last stage, I'm sure, is no surprise to all of us. Sinfulness in actions. Sinfulness in actions. Look down at verse 54. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Drop down to verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. But he didn't pay attention to that crowing. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear I do not know this man of whom you speak. Peter's downfall is now complete. Lying, 
false oaths, denying Jesus himself, those are all sins, aren't they? Those are all grievous sins. Self-dependence, slackness in devotions, carelessness in decisions, sinfulness in actions. It's interesting in this final scene, there were two actions that Peter took that put him in this place of committing the sins he committed. Number one, he warmed himself by the fires of the world. Peter now is clearly following Jesus at a distance. It is cold outside, and so he goes to warm himself by the fire. Whose fire? Verse 54 says the guards. That's a reference to the temple guard, the very ones who arrested Jesus. Would you look at this? Look at this. The one who walked so close to Jesus is now standing with those who arrested him. Think about that. Here he's the leader of the twelve, walking with Jesus for three and a half years, close by his side. And now he is warming himself at the fires of the very ones who arrested Jesus. Notice the second thing. Peter caved to the pressures of the world. All he needed now at this point was a little pressure. And it started with a little servant girl. A little servant girl who just walked up to him and said, You were one of them, weren't you? That's all it took at this point. I learned something here today. Brothers and sisters, please hear this as well. When we are in a spiritually weakened condition, warmed by the fires of the world, it will not take much to get us to compromise and deny Christ. All we will need is a little pressure. When we are in a spiritually weakened condition, and we are being warmed by the fires of this world. All it will take is a little pressure to get us to compromise and deny Jesus. And that's what happened to Peter. Back in the 1800s, there was a painting that was drawn by a a German man by the name of Peter Jansen. The painting was lost for many years, and when it was rediscovered, it was faded and worn, and so they restored the painting. I'm very, very glad they restored it. Because as it visualizes this scene, there is so much that helps me in my own spiritual walk. Here is that painting. 
And notice what we learn. Peter, who walked so close to Jesus, is now so far warming himself by the fires of Jesus' very enemies. He is so weak spiritually, all it takes is just a couple of pointing fingers to make him afraid. Lying, false oaths, denying Jesus is what comes at the end of it all. And look at this. The bold Peter, wielding a sword, is now the cowering Peter, backing up in fear. What a scene to teach us all about the danger of spiritual failure. I mentioned to you as I began this message that in my library I have a book entitled Classic Sermons on the Apostle Peter. One of them by G. Campbell Morgan is entitled The Sifting of Peter. And I want you to listen to how he concludes this sermon. You are saying, why does the preacher so talk to us? We shall never do this thing. I'm never going to deny Christ. Is that the language of your heart? Then it proves you are at a distance from Him. The nearer believers are to Christ, the more conscious they are of their own frailty, and the more are they, and the more are they possessed of strength, though they hardly know it. The nearer believers live to Jesus Christ, the more acutely conscious are they of distance between them and their Lord by reason of their Lord's superior strength and their own frailty. And the more they press closely to Jesus. Why is this failure laid out in all of its embarrassment for Peter, for all of us to see? It's so we will understand this. Our greatest need in 2018 is to press more closely to Jesus. That's the lesson. We desperately need to press more closely to Jesus. Next Sunday, we're going to see how Jesus stepped in and restored Peter. Today there may be some folks here in our midst who would say, Pastor, if you knew my failure, 
in the last year, you know this is a heavy message for me. But I want you to notice that next week as we come together, we're going to see what Jesus does to restore His people. And He can do the same for you. And so despite whether you see yourself in this story, you can see what the Lord will do for you. Let's bow together, shall we, in prayer. Father, at the beginning of this new year, we are all vulnerable. Spiritual failure is a reality for every single one of us. And you let us see what happened to the great apostle Peter, that we might see our great need of you. We are not in need of Jesus on some days. We're in need of Him every day. He said, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. And therefore, if our faith in Him is not growing if our love coming from Him is not developing, if our hope in His great salvation is not strengthening, we will fail. It is only a matter of time, but we will fail. And thank you that the Bible does not hide the weaknesses of its great characters, but shows them to us in, in all of their lack of strength and in all of their weakness, that we might truly know ourselves and know our need and find Christ to be our all in all. Lord, for any this morning who see themselves in any of these stages, may they take heed, flee to Christ, press closely to Him as their great Lord and Savior. In His name we pray. Amen.